0: Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty For Her, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. We're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. So here we are, Liberty listeners, the final episode in our six part mini series. I hope that each episode has provided some scaffolding over the last six weeks. And if you have any questions about the various content we've covered, please email me at Netta, N A D A, at LibertyForHer.com. I'm more than happy to answer them for you if I can or to find answers for you. Now, in this last episode, I want to talk about business plans. I'm not talking about a 50-page document, and I'm not talking about the back of a cocktail napkin. It's something in between. In the words of Dwight D. Eisenhower, in preparing for battle, I have always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. So that's what I want to do here. I want to focus more on the process than the page count. While we will be using a few sheets of paper, the goal is to create a living, breathing document, something that's nimble, something that can flex when we need to flex. Things will change as we move forward and as we learn more about your customers and more about your business. And then there's always outside circumstances that throw a wrench in things. Imagine writing a 50-page business plan right before COVID. That's a lot of wasted energy unless you've created a high-level plan of action. Something that, again, is nimble and can flex. Plus, unless you're raising money, it's not necessary to write a business plan filled with financials. A good plan fulfills three purposes one, communication, two, management, and three, it acts as a guide. As a communication tool, it is often used to convince workers to come on board in the early years or assist in attracting strategic partners to the business, or maybe even wholesalers that might come on early on. It's also used to attract investment and secure loans. As a management tool, the business plan can help you track, monitor, and evaluate your progress. And as a guide, the business plan walks the reader through the various phases of your business. Articulating your plans also helps you to see the holes in your business and can help you to create deadlines for accomplishing your goals. There is one more component of a conventional plan that I do find incredibly helpful, and that's the executive summary. Your executive summary encapsulates everything your business is about and expects to accomplish. It's a very useful and concise way to articulate your plan while leaving plenty of room for growth, improvement, and flexibility. It's time to get out that pen and paper and start taking some notes. Let's first get clear on what an executive summary needs to contain. The first part of the executive summary needs to answer five questions. The who, what, why, when, and how of your business. All of this should fit into somewhere between three and five pages. Keeping it short and sweet will force you to be clear and concise. The goal is really twofold. One, to be a roadmap that you can always turn to to stay on track. And two, to get people excited about what you're doing so that they can hop on board as partners, employees, investors, lenders, and even advisors. So let's talk about the 10 key elements in an executive summary. The first one is the mission statement. Why do you do what you do? The mission statement should be one to three sentences declaring what you're all about. It's a very concise message about your company's purpose. It's your motto to the world. So make sure to make it sing here. For example, Liberty's mission statement is to inspire and equip women to launch and grow their dream ventures. We might even include at any age, since that's a part of our mission. While crafting the mission statement, be sure to address the following three questions. Who are you? What do you do? And what do you stand for? A mission statement can also include your why. Why do you do what you do? Or you could include an additional statement or sentence conveying the philosophy or values of your company. Let's say your company hopes that by selling recycled plastic handbags, you'll be cleaning up the environment and the process. The purpose should be to include it in your mission statement because it's a vital part of who you are. Keep it short and sweet, and avoid language that sounds like a sales pitch. A clear and effective message about the soul of your business is what you're going after. Also, keeping it short helps commit it to memory, not just for you, but for your potential customer. Okay. The number two thing in the 10 elements that you want to include is your start date. When will you actually launch this venture? As basic as this sounds, make sure to include it because it lets anyone reading the plan know when you hope to get things up and running. If they're hoping to invest, they may be thinking that you're already in business and the return on their investment might be, you know, in the next six months when in fact you haven't even launched or aren't going to launch until nine months from now. Getting a date in writing also creates a little positive pressure on you to stay focused. Okay, number three of the 10 items that you must have in your executive summary is your business entity. What type of business structure have you selected? Remember, we covered this last week in episode five. Episode five was full, chock full of this kind of information. So you'll want to include a paragraph which explains which business entity you chose and why. Also include any plans you may have to change that entity at some point in your venture. For example, a business may choose to start out as a partnership and then become a C-corp down the road to protect their personal assets and take in shareholders. All right, number four, your organization and management. Who is actually going to be on the team and what roles will they play? This section outlines who the players are in your company. There are usually three groups of people you want to introduce, the founders, the employees, And the advisors. You want to introduce each person and their respective role. First, the founder. You may be the only founder, or there may be two partners or a group of folks, like a consulting firm or a group of attorneys. Anyone who is considered to be the founder gets a shot at showing off a little in this section. The idea is to give a description of what each person has already accomplished as well as the roles and responsibilities in the venture. A paragraph or two is sufficient when describing what each person brings to the table. Be sure to include experience, education, and if important, their particular strengths. The next group are the employees. State the various roles and responsibilities of each person and include mini biographies and the areas they will have oversight. And don't forget your compensation plan. Who will be paid? Will it be cash or stock? When will they be paid? Is there a deferred compensation once the company starts to realize profits, let's say? Is anyone salaried or commissioned or is everyone profit sharing? Does everyone have equity or stock options? Will you give bonuses? That kind of stuff. Now, if you're truly launching, you will likely not have any actual names to fill these roles. You'll still need to include the titles and roles to help the reader understand the human resource needs of your operation. You'll also want to be clear as to which positions are full-time and part-time and if anyone's going to receive benefits. Some of these people may work on an ongoing basis, whereas others may be called on as needed. Again, include compensation, For instance, will you have a sales team that will be working on commission or a bonus structure? Will you have salaried employees? Okay, and the final group in your organization is your advisory team. This could be a board of advisors or a board of directors. That depends on your business entity and if you're issuing stock. These people tend to be experts you've assembled or a couple of experienced mentors in your field who have agreed to walk alongside you on this exciting journey. I strongly recommend that you find someone who has experience in your specific field or at least a seasoned entrepreneur to guide you in this process. These people are usually paid or promised some other stock or future compensation. The purpose of this group is really twofold. One, it's to mentor the founders as they move towards success and also to add credibility to the organization and show potential investors that this business is under the care of experts. Also, when selecting your advisors, ask for a commitment of at least one year, and let them know in advance how often you plan to meet with them, like quarterly, which is usually a good idea, and make sure they know that you are looking for advice, support, and connections. All right, number five in this list, location. State where your business will operate from. Many of you will not know the location yet, and no worries. If the space is essential to the success of the business, such as a retail store, spa, yoga studio, restaurant, etc., be clear about the importance of the location and any specific needs you'll have. For example, if it's a warehouse, a fancy location isn't really necessary. But if it's a restaurant, you may be relying on foot traffic and require a more pricey lease. And this is where you want to share that information. All right, number six your product or service offered. Give a brief description of your product and or service and focus on the benefits to your customer. Convey what distinguishes you from your competition. Feel free to use bullet points here. The idea is to draw the reader in and plainly state the purpose and direction of your business. Number seven, investors and lenders. Do you need to raise or borrow money? How much money do you need to raise? If you're looking for investment, come right out and say it in your executive summary. There's no need to beat around the bush. Spell out the amount you're looking to raise and the percentage of equity offered in return. If a loan is what you're seeking, then say so. And again, specify the amount needed. Leave loan details out of the summary, they're not necessary. List anyone who is backing you so far and the financial relationship that person has with your company. Is this person being paid back with interest? And within a specific time frame, is the person waiting for you to be profitable and then taking a cut of profits? You can arrange virtually any payback terms with your financial backer. It's really between the two of you. The details of each relationship don't need to be included in the summary. Just the basic terms are required. Now, if you plan to give equity in your company, there are a few more rules to play by and we would advise getting an attorney to help set up the terms and conditions of that relationship. If you have yet to go after funding but are planning to, you may wanna list the various sources of capital. List the names of those you may borrow or raise capital from, whether they're friends and family, angel investors, or banks. If you are raising money, it's nice for potential investors to see that others are taking a risk on you and your organization. If you're raising money, it's nice for potential investors to see that others are taking a risk on you and your organization, especially if you already have secured investment or a loan. There you have it, your executive summary. Now we're going to add all the other information you've gathered in the last six weeks to make for a more complete plan. The second part of your business plan is all about your industry overview and competition. You can refer back to episode two to trigger your memory here. In this third section, you will want to cover your target market. We wanna give your investors a short summary about this consumer. If you prefer, you can use bullet points. Also, write a sentence or two about your company's brand and its core values as it relates to this target market. This is a great place to include a summary of your target market's demographics, psychographics, and your brand identity. In the fourth section, focus on your sales forecast what you think your sales could be based on some assumptions. Remember, assumptions are your friend here. The idea is to project future sales and show your earning power. In section five, we're focused on marketing. This is where you'll talk about how you'll spread the word about your product and service and include a marketing mix and budget. For example, maybe there's Instagram sponsorship or mailers. Maybe you'll be part of a trade show or community outreach. Find the cost of these efforts and create a budget for the year. And finally, in the last section, section six of your business plan, we're focused on the financials. Whether you're brand spanking new or an existing company, you'll need to include a startup budget and an operating budget as we discussed last week. You'll also need to include a financial model describing how the business will make money. If you're an existing business, you will also want to show your profit and loss statement as well as a balance sheet. And it's always good to have a three-year history if you can. If, on the other hand, you're not going to raise money, you should still create all the same budget sheets and financial model to see how your company will fare six months, one year, and even three years from now. So there you have it. You've got a thoughtful synopsis of your brilliant idea. Well done. Now, before I go... I just want to thank you for allowing me to be a part of this journey. It's been a privilege to be a part of your process. I can't wait to hear the stories of those of you who've taken a leap and launched your dream ventures. Please do write to me at netta, N-A-D-A, at libertyforher.com. Until next week, here's to your brilliant future. Liberty for Her is broadcast on all platforms Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and more. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty for Her on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty for Her is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham, and music by Jordan Flower.